0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to the Student Economist. Today we'll have a special edition where we continue uh, discussing the US election, having just heard the result um, that Biden has been projected to have won the election uh, and will be most likely the 46th President of the United States. So uh, here to discuss this week's podcast and, and, and this week's sort of post-election uh, topics is myself, Ara Shlal, and my co host, Avi Ruperalia. And joining us again is Peter Shaw. Peter, thanks for coming on again. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, thanks for inviting me back.
0: Not a problem. It's really good to have you here. And we're looking forward to today's discussion. So, to start off, guys, um, we've just seen a Biden victory. Well, we've been told we've we've got a Biden victory. But it's a lot closer than what many of the polls have been um, predicting prior to the election. Now, we were obviously wary beforehand about trusting polls. And it looks like they have sort of misled us again, although they predicted the result correctly um, in regards to the um, scale of the result or the difference between Biden and Trump. They seem to have been Um, a little bit inaccurate. So do you guys think that we can actually trust US polls um, again after the inaccuracies about them this time?
1: I think polls in the US have their uses, but they can't be relied upon to be entirely accurate. It's true that in both 2016 and now in 2020, they underestimated support for Trump, but they still illustrated the right trend which is that support for Trump had gone down since 2016 uh, and since the start of the pandemic, whereas support for the Democrats had increased. So they did sort of show us what the result was going to be, albeit not as accurately as we would have hoped. And in all fairness to the polls, this was an extremely unusual, extremely unprecedented election, because, which was always going to be difficult to predict. Because we had the highest turnout in 120 years, 67%. And we had a huge number of mail-in ballots. And we had a really difficult environment to actually carry out polls in because of the pandemic. So so they're not perfect, but they're still useful. They weren't you know, entirely wrong this year. You know, as you've just mentioned, the BBC has declared Joe Biden the winner. Uh, after calling Pennsylvania and so I think we've got to have some sort of balanced view of them where you can see what direction things are going in by looking at the polls but you can't rely on them to be accurate down to the percentage
2: prediction. Yeah I totally agree. Um, We've got to say that the polls considering the times that are unprecedented they did okay but it's still it's the fact that we've had two years of polls that have been kind of a bit out there from what actually happened, and we compare them to the exit polls in the UK when we, get, uh, when we have a general election, what happened in, uh, with Boris Johnson's overwhelming victory in 2019 and Theresa May's hung parliament in 2017, I believe, wow, it's a long time ago. And if you compare them to the US polls, And the U.S. polls are quite underwhelming in the the way they projected Biden would win. And the fact that it came so close in some of these swing states like Georgia, Pennsylvania and even even Florida. Biden was ahead the whole way through uh, pre-election. And I think it was very close. But Trumps, I think, won that by three percent, three percent. So the. the, the polls have got better because they technically predicted the overall result. But they didn't predict these individual key states very well. Uh, Arsh, do you have any thoughts?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think you guys have added some really good things there. And I definitely agree with the general thesis that we, whilst perhaps not... Um, looking at the exact ideas of polls, can certainly rely on them for the final result. Now, I just want to say why it might be um, sort of impossible for a, for a poll, um, particularly in a, in a country like the US, to actually come up with a more accurate result. Now, in the US at the moment, we've obviously seen an unprecedented situation this year, but crucially, the election, um, in regards to States 1, um, barring a few, um, hasn't really seen too many changes it hasn't really seen too many republican losses and democratic gains um it's kind of the differences that have come about have been more due to more voters getting involved and i think that therefore the kind of um sort of the lack of what the polls predicted didn't really take into account the excessive united states partisanship that we see in place at the moment and Despite unprecedented um, events, the ability of voters to continue to adhere to one sort of party or one ideology um, over and over again. I think that is certainly present in the, in the United States, um, which polls perhaps can't always take into account. And also, polls crucially do always rely on sort of what people say, what people show about themselves. Um, what potential voters are willing to sort of share. Um, but actually, in the United States at the moment, it's it's actually been found um, particularly from something called the Cato Institute, which is like a libertarian think tank, that strong liberals are actually the only ideological group in the United States who feel free to sort of consistently portray their political viewpoints, um, perhaps due to the fear of other, um, of other groups, such as stronger conservatives, about potential um, upsets. So it seems that freedom of speech here almost is restricted somewhat. Um, so I'd say due to that, uh, and due to sort of the favoring of these strong liberals, um, which the polls can result in, um, we see a potentially sort of inaccurate results or an an inaccurate kind of survey of the true opinion of the population. Um, So, yeah, so that's the US polls. Now, Trump has brought up many issues during this election. Um, Sorry, not during the election, but during his tenure as president, um, such as major inequalities in the United States. and obviously, he has left a situation which Joe Biden has to clear up. So how do you feel he'll go on about this, and do you think he will be able to clear up the sort of issues uh, the Trump administration has put into place?
2: So essentially, America have now elected a president that is that you could say is the stark opposite of Donald Trump. And this is a person who has the first. Female vice president, who is also someone who is an ethnic minority, it, it's he's signalling an almost more open, less less Trump-like America, and essentially these inequalities now they've been brought to the surface, and I don't think Trump meant to bring them to the surface. Um, he has to deal with them, and there's I I I I can see Joe Biden dealing with these. Uh, inequalities. Um, first and foremost, he's got to deal with some of the police policing issues with black people, as we've seen with uh, what happened with George Floyd a few months ago. So there are some fundamental inequality issues here, and he, need, Trump, almost brought. And I don't want to come across bad. Trump almost brought. The racism from that, the shy racism that was within the system up to the top of the surface. And now people are really seeing it. It's being covered by widespread media, it's being covered everywhere. And it's now got to be dealt with. And I think Joe Biden will be the man to deal with it. Uh, Peter, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I agree with a lot of that. I think the Biden
1: platform, uh, the equivalent of a manifesto in the UK, is literally the most progressive in American history. You know, he wants to double the minimum wage. He wants to create a public option for healthcare. He wants to abolish mandatory minimum sentencing and cash bail and make Washington DC a state and loads, loads more. Um, I think the real question when it comes to how he's going to do that is it's all about whether he's going to have control of the House of Representatives and Senate. Because if he doesn't, then we could be in for as unproductive a Congress as under Trump and under the second term of Obama. You know, and that really comes down to whether the Democrats will be able to flip the Senate, which it doesn't look like they're going to be able to. They'll keep the House representatives, but unless they win both of Georgia's seats in the runoff election in January, then the Republicans are going to keep the Senate. And if they do, then it's difficult to see. How Biden's gonna get you know, any of his you know, policy promises passed. And that's really kind of worrying. It's like we could have a functioning government able to pass legislation, able to address the inequalities Abby's just mentioned. Um, but we could also not. And you know, it's hard to see. You know, I, I think it's actually possible we'll have a 50-50 split. And it will be the vice president will make the tie-breaking vote. But even that is not, you know, not that likely for the Democrats. It does look like the Republicans will keep the Senate. Um, but I don't want to make any strong predictions there because it's still a complete toss-up.
2: I'd just like to add, uh, bringing up Peter's point about uh, the Democrats uh, not being able to flip the Senate. Um does that leave Biden in almost a lame up, I don't know if you know the political phrase, lamed up, um, lame duck president where he can get through the House, but he can't get through the Senate. And essentially he's ended up, he's not going to end up doing anything. And it's a wasted four year term. We do have midterms in a couple of years time, but still it's, um, it's a long time to wait. And he needs to deal with these issues now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wanna before we move on, add one more thing to what you guys have said. And um, picking up on the idea that obviously with the lack of sort of Senate and House representatives uh, representative support, um, Mr. Biden's ability to push forward changes might be here limited. Um, also so this Supreme Court's conservatively leaning nature could also contribute to that but i just wanted to argue perhaps that we could see a change in this trend um a change in this kind of almost inevitable result due to the kind of centrist nature to the biden um sort of administration and the biden platform um crucially i think this ability for Biden to have a broad coalition of support, which we've seen, for example, with anti-Trumpists within the Republican Party essentially providing an an element of tacit support for the Biden administration, Um, we could actually see an element of convergence between the two parties, which we crucially haven't seen before. Um, Also, at this kind of a time, at this unprecedented time, the importance of U.S. politics to appeal to what the people crucially need has risen more than ever before. Um, People are crucially voting based on fundamentals. People have voted in local elections, particularly based on COVID-19 responses. Um, Whilst that might be of a limited nature in regards to the key race for president, in local elections that has been a key trend. So, with this growing necessity um, for an appeal to the people, together with the broad coalition of support which biden's strengths biden's central administration coupled with trump's kind of mistakes as a as a leader leading to his party and figures in his party leaning towards um a movement away and a and a changing culture of the republican party i think could see less of the two parties getting in each other's way um and an element of sort of working together to um a more common objective. Now that does sound somewhat utopian in its nature, my a suggestion, but I think it does have a more of a possibility about it now than it would have done it would have done four years ago um and crucially eight years ago in Obama's um second tenure um, uh, as well. But moving on guys to the fact that obviously Trump hasn't really um, accepted the election results, um, claiming that he he will keep filing in lawsuits, uh, well, he has filed lawsuits um, all over the country, uh, and claiming that the mail-in ballots have been fraudulent. So do you feel that democracy has been tainted in its reputation after this election?
1: Yeah, and I think it's incredibly sad, really. I think we fail to fully appreciate that there are autocrats all over the world that will be using the chaos of this election as justification for continuing to oppose democratic reforms in their countries. You know, propaganda works best when there's a grain of truth in it. And that's what Trump is, you know, giving these autocrats by seemingly refusing to go along with the electoral process. Um, and they're just going to use that. Putin's going to use that. Xi Jinping's is going to use that. And so on. You know, CCTV, Chinese state media, is using this US election uh, to present democracy as a failed system, which is, which is obviously ridiculous. But it will be very effective propaganda. And it will give a false legitimacy to a lot of really bad regimes around the world. And it's not just democracy, it's the reputation of the U.S. as well in the world. You know, the U.S.'s favorability rating in a lot of countries was you know, three quarters under Obama. But it's just plummeted to about a quarter in a lot of the same countries like South Korea and Japan and France and Britain as well. And those are key allies. And that's really going to have undermined a lot of U.S. influence in the world. So without a doubt, I think this election has damaged the reputation of democracy
2: and the US, uh, which is a great shame. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I have to agree that democracy's, um, democracy as a whole has been, well, we've seen a bit of a tarnished um, tarnished reputation over the past four years with Donald Trump. Especially with the Russia influence, uh, the previous Russia influence on the election, or supposed Russia influence, we've seen a lot of things with um, with Donald Trump, who is he almost acts like a bully, and he he's now he's not acting in a respectable manner. Most presidents who have lost an election at this point would have conceded, and. This is shows the state that, what state Donald Trump is in, that he can't accept the victory and he's going out uh, kicking and screaming. And essentially, it's giving democracy a bad name. And I agree with what Peter says. Uh, these, Some of these authori- authoritarian regimes, such as Russia and China, can use this as very good propaganda for uh, anti-democracy. and. Essentially, is giving all other. It's not just America that's losing out. It's now the rest of the democratic world that is now losing out. And it's that I wouldn't be surprised next UK election if we see questions about um some of the foreign influences, etc., because of this election. And it's made people more aware that democracy is not what it seems, and it's not this um glorious way of freedom of speech and actually it's a lot more different and trump has essentially changed the way we think democracy is because of the way he has acted throughout this election uh does anyone else have any thoughts
0: yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with what you guys have said in the sense that um, it's sort of weakened the idea and the doctrine of U.S. democracy. Um, also, I think it, with Trump's refusal to accept the results, it kind of signals a potential re- rejection of the U.S. population's ability to kind of provide a, a constitutional check to kind of um, respond to a situation um, like what we've seen this year in, in regards to inner policies and to essentially... Um, extracts a new leader from it in the form of Joe Biden. I think Trump is perhaps going against that and weakening this idea of the ability of the people to um, provide this constitutional check and kind of direct their country towards where they require it um, or desire it to go. Now, I think this could, um, as you guys have said, reduce the legitimacy of the idea of democracy. And, And I think this... Has major ramifications for the United States in regards to its legitimacy to the towards the developing world. Now, we've seen America as, as kind of a protector of the democratic um, kind of idea um, for, for since during the Cold War, during the capitalism versus communism sort of battle of the Cold War. But that's kind of continued in regards to the United States. There's aid policies, for example, to many um, developing African nations um, in sub-Saharan Africa, particularly Nigeria, for example, where aid flows into these nations, although unsuccessful, have had the continual desire to lead to eventual democracy. But with this undermining of democracy at home, could this doctrine and this message with the, which the united states continually attempts to sort of spread weaken i think in its nature and also it's important to see with the growing element of divides between voters in america divides between democrats and republican voters and partisanship it's important to see that people are continuing continuing to vote i think out of their idea of particular interest Rather than voting out of their perception of the common good. Now, the common good, seemingly at this kind of a time, would well, the common good would be something which brings the people together rather than growing um, potential political divides. So, I think there is a number of ways in which um, United the United States democracy is weakening here. Um, and I think whilst it's it would be too far to go towards the idea that it's not sort of a steady process. Democracy continues to appear to be the best way to include the people in their nation's politics. There does need to be, I think, a culture change um, which the Biden administration needs to put into place um, in regards to, I guess, what voters vote for so that um, the results of a divided society doesn't continue to persist into the future and so that the strengths of American democracy can, t- can continue to be realized by developing countries across the world.
2: Yeah, Orish, I agree. I'd just like to, uh, it's a very, very quick point. And it's like, it's saying that some of, with Donald Trump conducting himself the way he has over the past few days, and the way he's conducted himself as a whole during this whole election process is america almost in the position where it can its democracy can, can be compared to that of those some of uh, some of these some of the african and the southeast asian economies where there's a lot of corruption that happens within the election and pre-election and is america is America's democracy like that, or is that a too too radical a statement?
1: well, I think I think that is quite uh, radical. I think the US will be all right. I think there will be a relatively peaceful transfer of power. But I'm still very worried about the direction in which US politics will go. Because with all these lawsuits from Trump, it could just be that it gets even more divisive and even more gridlocked and they never really come to an agreement that Joe Biden won. On the other hand, it could be that Trump keeps trying to fight on and fight on and you know, doesn't you know, concede at all. And eventually the Republican Party and the Republican leadership and elite that never really liked him in the first place, will be able to reassert their control over the party. And if that happens, then I think we'll be headed in a much better direction than we have been under Trump. I do also think that it's, it's funny your um, comparison of the US to a lot of the um, failed democracies that the US has been known to put sanctions on and to intervene in. Because Nigeria, I think it was Nigeria, actually um, said it would sanction the U.S. if it didn't um, count all the votes. And there's an there's almost hilarious irony to that, which would be hilarious if it wasn't also quite worrying. Um, so, again, I think we'll just have to hope. And I think we are headed in a much better direction with Joe Biden having won this. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with your ideas, guys, and um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts again on this. This is a really interesting topic, but we will probably need to move on um, to our final question, which is whether the historically special US-UK relationship will be able to remain in place with Joe Biden as president. What do you guys think?
2: Well, actually, I think, this biden victory even though they come from different ideologies politically the conservatives and democrats i think it's better because i don't think that donald trump boris johnson relationship flourished as many people predicted it would it's more been a donald trump nigel farage relationship that has been flourished uh, that has flourished and this gives boris johnson an opportunity to reset um, relationships with the US and are, they, there's more of a concern going forward with some of the issues uh, security climate change that they agree on and climate change has been the big one that Donald Trump and Boris Johnson uh, haven't agreed on with, Boris, uh, with Donald Trump only a few weeks ago um, leaving the Paris Climate Agreement and which I now think uh, Biden will rejoin so it, I think it's a good thing for the U.S. UK relationships, and I think it we may be in a for a good period with um, the our friends from across the pond.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not so sure. I'm. I think it's a really difficult question because on one hand, Johnson has been having to distance himself from Trump because Trump's so unpopular here, and he won't have to do that with Biden. And like you said, there's probably more issues that we're going to agree with America on now that Joe Biden's going to be president. But at the same time, um, the UK is probably less likely to get a trade deal with America under Biden, given that the Democrats have said that the UK would go to the back of the queue for a trade deal after Brexit, and that if we broke the law in negotiating with the EU, we wouldn't get a trade deal at all, which is sort of sort of hostile. And also, they view Boris Johnson as a kind of Trump-like figure who they are very much opposed to. So which probably won't help in our dealings with America. But I think it's sort of it's two sides of a coin. It's 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 really which you know, which one outweighs the other? Um, I, I, I don't really know. I, I think probably on balance, I'd have to disagree. Um, but I, I do see the merits of the idea that we're going to agree more with America now. But I just think we are less likely to get a trade deal, which is a really, really significant part of the special relationship, from, especially from Britain's point of view as we leave the EU, as we leave the transition period. But I, I'm not, you know, entirely either side of this. I'm still sort of on the fence.
0: Yeah, thanks for your point on that, guys. Just, um, Peter, I think we're kind of all on the fence. It's so difficult to come to a conclusion on these topics. It's just um, so many discussion points to bring up. And I think, you know, considering Biden's desire for our maintenance of, Um, or not essentially adopting a hard border with Northern Ireland. I feel that there is here more of an element of regulation on what the UK government can perhaps do in a trading relationship with the United States um, than was perhaps present under Trump. But crucially, what Brexit, I think, requires is a greater relationship with the rest of the world. That's what... Decided to bring about in the first place to engage in more trade agreements with other nations, which we felt uh, our presence in the EU restricted us from achieving. Well, that's what voters thought. So essentially, I think therefore, with Biden making a trade agreement more difficult, as he speculated upon Peter, that could I think regulate the, our government's actions in the long run um, to with potentially positive effects such as not breaking um regulation of laws we put in place in the we've put in place and um i th- i think maybe just allowing for a greater element of cooperation and maybe even long term deals to, to be put into place and i think um ideologically it's rather difficult to compare uk and us leaders um, and in in this respect it might be difficult to predicts a a changing relationship um, with the U.S. going from sort of far right to centrist. But um, I I certainly do agree with the idea of more difficult trade agreements and therefore as a result, potentially more regulated actions on the U.K. government's behalf. But guys, we've run out of time. Um, But thanks for joining today, Peter. I think it was a great discussion. Um, I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Thanks again to my co host, Abby. I think um, we all brought up some great points today, guys. Um, If you'd like to join the Student Economist podcast as a guest in the future, please do fill out the form on the website. Uh, It's been a great week um, if you're a believer in Biden. um, And it's been a a real interesting week in regards to world politics and economics. And hopefully it will continue to be so um, in coming podcasts. So thanks and um-